0: Hey everybody, this is Steve Thomas. I am so glad you've decided to join us on BUDGE today. This is our one-year anniversary episode. We're calling it 366 Days Later. And we're going to be chatting about how have you grown as a leader or as a person in the last year. And I ask this question a lot, not just because it's BUDGE. This is a question I give to leaders all the time. How have you enlarged your capacity? Hope you enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to Budge, man. We I am so glad that you guys are on. This is episode 13. So a year ago, when we started this, we talked about five areas that all leaders need to grow in. And I want to come back and talk about those five areas briefly. And then one of them, I'm going to talk at length about today. And then the other four, we're going to use as content for every month going out through uh, through December. So here's the deal. You ever heard this thing? If you just had one wish, what would that wish be? I started, I guy on the radio the other day. I was listening to him talk about this. If you just have one wish, what would that wish be? If you play this smart, if you had one wish, then your one wish would be for 1 million other wishes. You see what it did there? Because that one wish can translate into, so. oftentimes when people a- ask that question, they say, okay, if you could have one wish, what would you wish for? But you can't say more wishes. So if you don't add that in there, I'm asking for, I want more wishes. So that's my wish is that I had more wishes so I could just keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on. So I started thinking about this in terms of, of leadership. What is that one thing in leadership What's that one thing in life that if we could say, okay, just focus on this one thing and this is what's going to change everything? So I started thinking that through. So, okay, so, so along the lines, along the philosophy, as you just had one wish, it'd be a million wishes. Here's what I believe that one thing would be for me to build or enlarge capacity. Because when I begin to build and enlarge my capacity, I begin to learn, grow, expand. I do different things. I see things different ways. I think things in different ways. Some of you have heard me say this a lot. If you think what you've always thought, you're going to get what you've always got. Some of us, when we become adults, some of us continue to think and see and do what we have always thought saw, and done. What I believe, and and this is just true because all of us on this, everybody went to school, you know, at least all the people I'm looking at went to school at some level. So you go to school and up through high school, some of you went to college, some people even beyond that. We are in what's called a forced learning environment, a forced learning environment. In other words, we're in an environment in school in which we have to learn. We're almost, we're almost, we're almost Forced to learn a little bit because we want the degree. Um, Some of you, you got money for your grades. And so you're in this environment, you're in this atmosphere where you're almost forced to learn. And so then, you know, again, you graduate high school and maybe go to four years of college. And then some people even beyond that, whenever you stop that forced learning environment, what do adults do beyond that to continue to learn and grow and improve and the phrase I'm using is to build capacity. What do we do? And this really hit me about 10 years ago uh, when I was with the team. You know, this is a team up in Chicago. And I'm not going to tell you what team it was, but I, I, I gave these guys some books. And I said, hey, I want you to read. I, I, I had five sessions booked with this team. And I said, I want you to read this, this book. And then when I get back the next time, it, it was going to be like two or three months later down the road. you know. When I get back, uh, I want to talk about it. We're going to break it down. And I think there's some things on here that, you know, you can take away and you can learn. And a guy looked at me as serious as he could be. I mean, he said it in a fun way. And I know he was like half joking, half serious. He said, man, he said, I have not read a book since Catcher in the Rye in high school. And I thought, okay, (laughs) This, this is a deal. This is a deal. Okay, so if you're not reading, if you're not listening, what are you doing to enlarge your capacity? This guy was in his 40s, and he was a leader of other people who led people. And I'm just thinking, dude, if you're not reading and learning and growing, enlarging and building capacity, then probably nobody else is either. And there's a chance that here in your 40s, you could be leading the same exact way you did when you were in your 20s. And sometimes we learn things just by, you know, uh, just by catching this or catching that, or we experience this or we experience that. You know, a lot of people say, well, I learned from the school of hard knocks. Well, all that's great and everything. And all that comes, that's accidental learning. What are you doing on purpose and intentionally? to grow, improve and move beyond where you are right now. So this is why that one thing, if you had one wish, a wish for a million wishes. If I can say one thing, if you could name okay. one thing, Steve, that you wanna work on, that would be for me to enlarge or build capacity. Because once I do that, now I can, I'm, I'm open to a world of possibilities. Let me ask you this question. Do you ever get frustrated Because you find people that you lead or that you work with doing the same thing, making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Of course we do. We get so frustrated with that. Here's my question. Do you ever make the same mistakes? And do you ever do the same things over and over and over again? Except maybe, maybe we're not aware of what of when we do it as much as we're aware of when other people do it. Are you seeing this? So what happens is that person that keeps doing that over and over and over again, that just annoys the heck out of you, they're not growing, they're not improving, they're not enlarging their capacity. But I will tell you as a leader or as a team player, you probably are not either or else we would find a way to move beyond that or to even influence them to move beyond that. So what are we doing to enlarge our capacity? Now, if you don't speak Starbucks, you're not going to understand this. So you're going to have to Google this a little bit later on, but I, I but I speak Starbucks and I have my Starbucks with me right here. This is, this is a venti cup, which means venti is I for 20. That means it's 20 ounces when it's all filled with ice, you know, and it's, so this is a Vente. They have a Trenta. A Trenta is 30. Then they have a Grande. A Grande, I think, is 16. And then they have a tall, and I think a tall is 12. So tall is small. Grande is medium. Vente is large. And Trenta, well, that's that's Starbucks' version of the big gulp. All right, everybody clued in now. If you don't speak Starbucks, now all of a sudden you speak Starbucks. So If you go in and ask for a large, they're going to look at you funny. You can't do that. You got to go and ask for a Vente. Or if you go ask for a small, they're going to look at you funny. They say, no, you can't order small. We don't have small. We have tall. And you're going to say, no, I don't want a tall. I want a small. They say it's the same thing. So it's really confusing. But once you're in, you're in. You say, so you got to kind of know how to speak Starbucks. Once you understand Starbucks lingo, you're good to go. All right, so here's the deal. Some of us, some of us, some people, some leaders, a few I work with, are trying to lead Vente organizations on a tall capacity. Are you seeing this? Some of us are trying to lead and influence vente issues on a tall capacity. And the interesting thing is when we have that tall capacity, we are the ones that get more frustrated than anybody else does. We have to enlarge our capacity. We got to see things different we got to think things different. We got to do things different. And we got to move beyond. And there are so many reasons of why we don't. if there's time in this, in, in, in this episode, I'm going to I'm going to finish up telling you kind of what keeps us from budging a little bit. This is this is the reason I put budge together uh, a year ago. It's because I wanna help people enlarge their capacity. Now I don't want you to try to go from a Tauto Vente this month. It's not going to work. And you're going to frustrate yourself and and you're going to frustrate other people. I want to help people move even just a little. That's why I decided to call this budge. Just move a little. Small movements matter. So my question to you is, and some of you have been on uh, almost every month since last August. My question to you is, how are you different now as a leader or as a person, than you were one year ago. How are you different? How have you grown? Right now, how have you grown in this past year? Not necessarily because of budge, but just because you've read, or you've thought, or you've 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 uh, maybe you've listened to you know TED talks or podcasts or something along the lines of uh, anything like that. How have you grown? How have you enlarged your capacity? How are you different now than you were one year ago? And what I want you to do, I want to challenge you, if you got something there to write on, if you're just, whether you're listening or watching or whatever, just start jotting down some thoughts, start jotting down some ideas about how you believe you're better, how you believe you've grown, enlarged your capacity over the last year. Are you thinking different? Are you thinking different? Do you, do you think different things about leadership? Do you, do you think, do you see leadership differently? Um, are you acting different? Are you, are you, do you have, you, do you have, are your behaviors changed? Have your behaviors change and are your behaviors continuing to change, you know, as, as we go along? You, your, your leadership behaviors, you know, your mom, dad behaviors, your husband, wife behaviors. Are you acting different than you were one year ago? Do you have different habits now? Or maybe you've let some of those habits go. You have different habits now than you did one year ago. Or so maybe, maybe some habits you've broken from a year ago that you know were uh, d- destructive habits. Are you creating better results now than you did one year ago? How are you different? How have you enlarged your capacity? Has your communication improved over the last year? And again, th- th- I'm not, I'm not saying just because of budge has, this has nothing to do with budge, except we're talking about it on budge. That's it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, you know, because of the episodes on budge or whatever, I'm just saying as a person, as a leader, how have you grown now? Here's the deal. How you see leadership is going to dictate whether h- how effective you lead people, how you see leadership is going to dictate how effectively you lead people. And if you are still in the mode, if you have been on a few budge episodes, uh, like for example, the fluffy stuff question, we did two months of that. Uh, the survival mindset, which we talked about last October. And then how do you find your win and what that looks like? We talked about November. So even those issues there, the middle blank issue we talked about in March, if you've heard any of those episodes at all, and you still see leadership as a top-down management command type of a style, if that's the way you see leadership, I hate to say this, but you probably have not enlarged your capacity at least using the information from Budge. How do you see leadership? And my passion, is to help people see leadership, see people, see themselves differently. And to do that, then to enlarge their capacity, to build their capacity to create better outcomes for their lives and for their leadership. So how have you grown? How are you better right now than you were one year ago? So a year ago, like I said, a year ago yesterday, that was our first budge episode. I used budge as an acrostic to identify five areas that we need to grow in. So if you were there, you have it. Uh, if not, you can go back and listen to that episode. These five areas, I'm quickly, I'm just going to tell you what they are. And then I'm going to focus on one of them just for today. Bravery. Bravery. And I'm going to talk about, so the one I want to talk about today. What does it mean to lead with courage? What does it mean to be brave in life and leadership? And 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 before you jump to conclusions and think automatically you're brave and courageous, listen in a little bit of what I'm gonna say about bravery. And I hope it shakes you a little bit to maybe take a different look at bravery. But how have you grown in your bravery? And again, we'll come back to that in a little bit. Understanding, understanding. How have you grown in your understanding? Do you practice more curiosity now? Do you maybe not jump to conclusions as much as you used to before you check out and begin to understand people and situations and circumstances. Your development, how have you grown in your development? Development is simply this, expanding your thinking and evolving and pursuing better. So other, other than being logged on to budge once a month, how have you pursued better in your life and your leadership? and begin to expand your thinking and, 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 and begin to expand your, your, your development. Gratitude. We talked about gratitude and how, I'm telling you this, effective leaders are grateful people. The, the definition of gratitude is this, readiness to show appreciation. And those leaders you love being around are always ready to show appreciation. That's gratitude. That's gratitude. Here's what gratitude is not only. Hey, thanks for that. That's not all gratitude is. Gratitude is readiness to show appreciation. We're going to do a whole episode on that coming up in a a, a few months. And then the last one, your effectiveness. What that means is creating positive outcomes while still maintaining your credibility and your connection with people. Now, here's why this is so big is because we got a lot of leaders that will create outcomes and create results. And and what that translates into usually in their mind is, yeah, we made a lot of money here. We made a lot of money there. This project was successful here. Project was successful. But in the meantime, they have left a wake of destruction. Okay, that's not effective leadership. So it's creating these positive outcomes while maintaining your credibility and your connection. I know football coaches at the high school level that have won state championships and they celebrate that. And the the town celebrates that and the team celebrates that. And then when those seniors graduate, they never come back. They want nothing to do with the coach. They want nothing to do with the program because there was a wake of destruction in the way. I'm telling you this if I have a choice to win a state championship ring, and I've got a couple of them, by the way, if I have a choice to win a state championship ring or leaving a legacy behind me that a kid can follow, I'm choosing leaving the legacy that a kid can follow. Are you seeing this? So I I get that we create these outcomes, but are we creating these outcomes while maintaining our credibility and our connection? So again, Here's the overall question How have you grown? How have you enlarged your capacity in the last year? Now, I'm gonna say it again and I'm gonna leave it alone. This is not a budge thing. I've asked leaders this for years. And sometimes when I start with one on one coaching with a leader, I will ask this question In the last year, how have you grown? In the last year, how have you enlarged your capacity? What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Uh, How much time in the week or how much time a day do you take to just really think, learn, listen, read, whatever it may be? So how have you grown in the last year? All right, I want to talk about bravery a little bit here. And there's three things that I believe, well, I'm going to tell you this. There's a whole lot that goes along with this, but I've chosen just three things to chat about today uh, for the sake of time, because this this seriously could be this brave leadership, courageous leadership. There are countless books written on it, all kinds of articles on brave leadership, courageous leadership, what that means, and all that kind of thing. So there, there's there's way too much for uh, one session or one episode for sure. So what I want to chat about is just uh, is just the idea of what that means as it relates to these three things that I want to chat with you about today. So brave leadership, being and showing courage in your leadership. So what does that mean? All right. Number one, there are three things. I'm gonna, here's, how, here's how I'm going to term this. There are three words I think of when I think of bravery in leadership. Three words I think of, and then I want to tell you what these words are. Then I will expand on them a little bit. And, and again, give you some challenges uh, with these. So three words I think of when I think of bravery. First word I think of is the word upstander. Upstander. That's U-P-S-T-A-N-D-R, upstander. Now, there's a little story behind this. So I want to tell you just briefly here. Um, about a year ago, my wife and I were on a walk, and our 10-year-old grandson was with us that day. And so we all three went on a walk. And, and, and this was at, you know, in the process of uh, school on zoom and, and it was kind of in the height of lockdown. And so it, anytime you get outside, you get outside. So the three of us went on a walk and on this walk now, now Deb, my wife, she is in education and she works for the school district. And our grandson goes to one of the schools in the district. And so, and she knows almost all the teachers and she knows all the principals, and so. Anytime she's around our grandkids, she can ask certain questions and kind of get a readout, you know, on what the teachers are teaching and are they going the route they're supposed to and blah, blah. So it's pretty interesting to listen to her talk about it. So his name is Bryson and so we're walking and she said, Bryson, what are you learning in? And she named the class and then she named the teacher. And he said, oh, he said, you know, we read this book and he named the book. And she said, tell me about that. He said, well, He said, anytime that there is a situation, there are always four roles that are played in this situation. She said, you're right. Tell me about those roles. And they begin to have this conversation. And I had never heard this. So this is brand new to me. In every situation, there is a victim, there is a perpetrator, there is a bystander. So think about this. There's a victim, somebody that's getting something done to them. There is a perpetrator, somebody that's doing something to the victim. And then there's a bystander. That person is standing and watching this take place, right? And typically in most situations that we see here on the news, I kind of think way more bystanders than victims or perpetrators in one given situation. So they're having this conversation. And then they start talking about the fourth person the upstander. The upstander. They are also witnessing this happening, but they are stepping in to make a difference. You see this? That's bravery. And my just because this is my world and this is my context, I immediately start thinking of leadership. Do leaders do that? Do leaders do that? Are leaders ever victims? Probably. Are leaders ever perpetrators? Unfortunately, yes, sometimes they are. Are leaders bystanders? Quite often they are. In other words, they witness this stuff happening, but they don't step in to do anything about it. They just watch it. And then they just say, that's so sad. People shouldn't do that. I can't believe they did. And they complain about it, but they do nothing about it. And then there's the upstander. Do leaders step in to hold people accountable to bad or wrong behavior? That's an upstander. And I'll tell you what, that takes bravery. That takes bravery. And that's one of the reasons that you don't see leaders as an upstander very often is because they're not practicing and stepping into courage. So do we hold people accountable for bad or wrong behavior? Now, I've talked about this for years. I just have never used the word upstander before. Because again, I didn't know what it meant. So I began to explore this a little bit. And, and, and here's what I've said to leaders for years and years and years. When there's bad or wrong behavior going on, let's just say, for example, there's somebody who is a complainer, a constant chronic complainer, and the leader knows it, and everybody in the organization knows it, and the leader never says anything or does anything about it, nor is anybody else for that matter. All right, are you seeing this? So nobody's being the upstander, everybody's being the bystander. But also at the same time, everybody's being a victim of this complaining and this whining. And so I say to the leader, do you enjoy complaining and whining? No, it's very destructive. Then why is it still going on? It takes bravery. It takes an act of courage to step in and say, look, this has to stop holding people accountable to bad behavior. Now, here's what I've told leaders when you don't step in to hold people accountable for wrong or bad behavior, your credibility is on the line. And your credibility is on a slippery slope downhill because people are waiting and watching for someone to step in to do something. Now I do fully agree that the team could say something as well, but let's face it, that person who is the designated leader is, is responsible, not solely responsible, but they are ultimately responsible to maintain the culture and the team atmosphere that they really want. So are we as leaders practicing bravery by being that upstander? And that's one of the words I think of when I think of bravery now recording in progress. It is, it is, it is is hard. Um, it is hard to have those uncomfortable conversations. It's just tough. But there are times we have to have those uncomfortable conversations. And when we do, now watch this. When we do, we can't do it with all challenge and all truth. We have to season that with, with grace and with connection. And so what I'm what I'm not saying here is that we need to be that upstander that goes and just smashes people when they're doing something wrong. That's not what I'm saying. You do that and you're leaving a wake of destruction. We need to be these leaders that steps into that process full of grace and full of truth. Not a balance. It's not like we'll just balance it out and go 70, 30 and maybe 80. No, it's full of, full of. It's 100% grace, 100% truth. We need to speak the truth full of grace and we need to uh, practice and apply grace, full of truth, full of challenge, full of connection, full of. That is bravery. And stepping in and doing something, uh, holding people accountable and having those uncomfortable conversations while maintaining your credibility and your connection. So one of the first words I think of, I think of bravery is upstander. Second word I think of is the word vulnerability. Now it's always fun. Every time I'm, I'm in person with a team and especially if there are a lot of men there and there usually are, uh, I always have just the guys say the word vulnerability. It's always fun. I always get a kick out of kind of what they'd say. And, and uh, it it's, it, it, it always comes across like, just like a real low, kind of a grumble low. Uh, you can't really hear the, the word vulnerability. You kind of hear more of a kind of like, it's, it's hard, man. It's, It's hard for men to say the word vulnerability, and it's harder for them to actually practice vulnerability. And one of the reasons is because, and and it's the same thing with, with women too, but more so with men, because we look at vulnerability as weakness. We do not look at vulnerability for the most part as courage or bravery, but it is incredibly courageous to be vulnerable, incredibly courageous to be vulnerable. I, I, I made this statement a few months ago, um, and, and I, I wish I'd have thought about it years ago. Top-down command and control leadership is both cowardly and lazy. This top-down command and control leadership, this, we walk in and lay the law down my way or the highway, it's cowardly and it's lazy. It doesn't take any bravery or any courage to do that at all. None it's cowardly, and it's lazy. But to step in with vulnerability and lead with vulnerability is extremely brave and extremely courageous. Are we growing? Are we growing in our vulnerability? That sounds weird. That's a weird term, but are we growing in our vulnerability? In other words, are we more vulnerable now than we were one year ago? And it's a strange way to think about, bro, buddy, I get it. But listen, I think what leaders need to do, and and this is one of those, and, and, and I talk about this a lot. We have got to create psychological and emotional safety on our teams so that people feel free to be vulnerable. So more often than not, blame and shame and dishonesty happens on a team or in an organization when it is not safe to own, it's not safe to tell the truth, it's not safe to step up It's just not safe. And so we have to create this uh, psychological emotional safety for our teams and for organizations in order to set people free to be able to be the best version of themselves. Well, here's the deal. It's not always going to be safe for a leader to be vulnerable. So sometimes we've got to put our own psychological safety on the line. And whether it's safe or not, we've got to step in as leaders and just go, here we go. I'm going to do this out of bravery. Don't do it out of recklessness do it out of bravery, do it out of courage. So what are some of those vulnerable things that we need to do as leaders? The, one of the first things I think uh, uh, when I when I hear, again, going back to the blame thing, I think one of the main reasons people blame, in fact, I'm gonna be honest, you, I can't think of another reason why somebody would blame, uh, blame other than self-protection. Well, if I'm in a safe environment, why do I need to self-protect? And if you're gonna be vulnerable Why do you need to self-protect? And so one of the greatest things that leaders can do is to own their own weaknesses, to own their own mistakes, to own what they need to own to get things rolling in the right direction. Now, that's not a self-abasement, self-blame type of a thing. It is stepping in and taking responsibility. That takes courage. That takes bravery. Another thing that takes courage and bravery is asking for feedback. When is the last time you sat with somebody that you lead, sat down with somebody and said, tell me as a leader what I need to do to get better? Tell me, and here's the deal. Now, be very, I'm going to be very careful how I say this, all right? If you ask that question and you get no answers at all, there's a chance that you're a scary person. <laughs> I'm just telling you straight up. If no, I, I did this with a team. I was working with a team. This is like six months ago. And their, their, their challenge was, their homework, their assignment was, you need to ask 10 to 12 people around you. And I gave them the words. I gave them the questions. I gave them all this. And so you need to go ask, You know, what can I do to step it up as a leader? What can I do to be better as a leader? And you know, I gave them all these questions anyway. It doesn't matter what the questions are. The point is, they were asking for feedback from people that they lead. Six of them on this team. 5 of them came back and had answers. One of them came back and said, "I asked 3 people and none of them would tell me. They all said, "Uh-uh, I'm not going there. I'm not." And I thought, and he and he was like, "So I guess there's really nothing." And we're all like, "Nothing? Are you kidding me? There's probably more that you need to do than anybody else. They're scared to tell you." So, let me tell you. I can tell you. So, Asking for feedback, genuine feedback, because you really want to grow. You really want to build your capacity. I'm telling you, that is a very vulnerable, very courageous, and very brave act. Now, don't, you got to do it in the right attitude. You, and, and again, you got to do it on maintaining your credibility, maintaining your connection. Bravery and courage, asking for feedback. So two words I think about, upstander, I think about vulnerability And the third word I think about when I think about bravery is the word them. Them. And here's why leadership is not about you, leadership is about them. You see this? The leader that doesn't get that is not leading. With bravery and with courage. It is not about you. And if you're in the role of leadership because you want it to be about you, don't be in that role because it's not about you, it is about them. And that's one of the key things I believe leaders have got to constantly remind themselves of. And just being very honest with yourself, if that's you, then what I want you to do when this is done, after you're done listening to this, is I want you to go on your computer, you can handwrite it, you can do whatever you want, but I want you to create the word them, either on a document or handwrite it, whatever you want to do it. And I want you to put it, just that's all, just them, and put it somewhere where you see it all the time to remind you, this is not about you, it is about them. and And that's big, but that takes bravery and it takes courage. It takes a great deal of humility. It's not about you. It's about them. I've asked leaders this for years. Are you more concerned with what you get from or what you do for the people you lead? Are you more concerned with what you get from or what you do for the people you lead? And if their perception of you is that you are way more worried about what you get from, then you possibly, possibly your leadership effectiveness is going to be hindered. But as soon as you begin to flip that around and understand that you do for as a leader, things are going to change. So how are you growing in your bravery? How are you growing in your courage as a leader? And these are the three words that I think of. And again, there are a lot of words I think of. These are the three I want to chat about today: upstander, vulnerability, and them. So what I want you to do is I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to pick one of those and go, okay, what do I really need to do to enlarge my capacity in the area of bravery? What do I need to do to become more of a brave? leader now again i gotta i keep wanting to say this when i'm talking bravery i'm not talking about creating this reckless chaos maintaining your 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 credibility and maintaining connection with people at the same time being brave and being courageous so what uncomfortable conversations do you probably need to have with people could be a friend It could be somebody you've known for a long time. It could be a leader that you need to have an uncomfortable conversation with. Who knows who it is? But holding people accountable, what kind of upstander do you need to be when you recognize bad behavior or wrong behavior? How How can you or where do you need to express more vulnerability? Are there things you need to own that maybe you're not owning up to? Do you need to ask for feedback? You know, again, I challenge each one of you to do that. Do you need to ask for feedback? Because you don't know. How many of you have blind spots? Everybody's got blind spots. Or right? I've been asking people this question. I've worked with teams on Zoom and in person. I asked this two times this week. I was on the road. So how many you got blind spots? Well, so everybody raises their hand. I say, what are some of those blind spots? And the people actually try to answer that question. You don't know what those blind spots are because they are blind spots. So you can't answer that question because you don't know. But we have them. So if you're going to grow beyond your blind spots, there's only one possible way to do that. And that's ask. That takes a great deal of vulnerability. Maybe there's something you need to apologize for and make it right. Again, takes a great deal of, of vulnerability. So upstander vulnerability and then create this sign that says them and put that somewhere where you can see it. And this week, this, well, this is Friday. Okay, next week, What can I do intentionally for them that I maybe haven't done ever, or at least in a while? What can I do intentionally for them? And that them is whoever you want to pick out, man. What could you do for them that maybe you haven't done for a while? So practice that and just see if maybe we grow in our bravery and in our courage. And again, I'm not looking for great strides and you don't need to try to jump to great strides. Small movements matter. All right, we got any questions before we sign off here and go? Nod at me, this making sense, yes or no? Is it challenging? pretty challenging. But what would this be without a great deal of challenge, right? So we need to move. We need to move. And I, I, and again, I'll keep asking this question. How have you grown in the last year? How are you better now than you were one year ago? And, and we got to keep focusing on that. So lead, lead with bravery, be brave, make some changes. Epictetus, this old this old philosopher said this, he said, "If you um, let me look at this, I'm if I've got this down. If you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. If you want to improve, be content to be thought foolish and stupid. It, and here's why: sometimes in our teams and our cultures, it's just not the cool or the common thing to grow and improve or let people know you're trying to grow and improve." And that's why Epictetus said this. this and you got to understand, Epictetus, this was hundreds of years ago. So peer pressure was a thing then. It was invented a long time ago. If you want to improve, be comfortable being thought foolish and stupid. Because uh, sometimes we try to improve, we do look foolish and stupid. I know I certainly have. But you know what? It's, it's worth it. It's worth it. So, all right, be brave. Be brave. Do good things. Keep doing good things. And uh, any ideas you have, any questions you have, feel free to email them my way. And uh, I'd love to help in any way that I can. Perfect. Hey, have a great Friday. Hawaii people, you got all day long. We don't. Our Friday's about over here. So have a great Friday. I'll see you guys. Thank you, you. you, Thank you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.